Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Another day, another week, back down here, Bucks in the basement. Chris is on vacation to parts unknown. So whenever Chris is out, I can always rely on one guy to jump in here uh, to give you guys a little bit of insight. And we've had him on a bunch of times back by popular demand, Mike Piersack, Pirates beat writer from the PG. Mike, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing well, Craig. Thanks again for having me. Absolutely. Any anytime, man. And we were talking about this right beforehand because I always kind of outline what's going to go on in the show, and then the Pirates, you know, kind of throw us a, a little curveball here before the show starts and uh, take a, a shot on a guy that I know very little about, Dylan Peters. The only thing I really know is that his nickname is Dilly Pickles with a Z. Uh, left-handed guy from the Angel system and DFAing Kyle Crick. Uh, what's your uh, immediate thoughts on the DFA of Kyle Crick, Mike? This is kind of surprising, right? Like when Kyle Crick's been good, he's been so good, and I get that. Like he's had a couple of rough outings here. Um, you know, his his numbers never really returned to what they were in 2018. I get that the velo wasn't the same. That maybe his secondary pitches to go along with that slider weren't quite the same, but I don't know. It's just kind of weird to, to see guys like that go who we've seen be so dominant in stretches. Um, and you know, to, to kind of like see them, you know, out the door now is just a little bit odd. Um, you know, if nothing else, you know? Yeah. Cause I mean, it's like we were talking about before the show, I looked and it was, it was pretty much, I mean, uh, that was the last like three starts were were absolutely you know terrible. Two point one innings, five hits, four runs, four earned runs. Wasn't really striking anybody out. Uh, but we had seen that previously uh, earlier on in the season when he kind of went out with an injury and came back, and and was looking maybe more like himself again. I uh, you know twenty eight years old. And you could see, I hate to say, there's probably other guys on the line that, that could have gotten maybe the DFA before him, maybe a guy with an option, whatever it may be. So it's actually surprising because beforehand, I mean, you're talking about uh, Kyle Crick and, and having, you know, one of the best pitches in Major League Baseball. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, they... <clears throat> Excuse me. They had to clear the clear a forty man spot, so I get it. You got to DFA somebody. Um, you know that that makes sense. But 
I don't know. Like, I guess I scroll through and I do the same thing that you do, where it's like, well, is this guy really more valuable than, than Kyle Crick to you? You know, a guy like, you know, maybe Cody Ponce or, or Chase Young or Kyle Keller or, you know, guys who have been fringe, um, you know, major league slash triple A guys. Like, I, I, it's just it's just hard to sort of figure, like, who is or isn't more valuable. And I get it, you know, if, if Kyle Crick doesn't have a bunch of um, trade value and he struggled and you don't think you could fix his problems, then, like, fine. Like, maybe something else happened or, um, you know, he didn't he express the desire not to be here anymore. Uh, you know, I, 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 all of these things could have happened. It's just kind of odd, you know, all things equal, that Kyle Crick is the guy to go given what we've seen him do in the past. And, and like you said, that, that slider, when it's right, is just so good. Um you know, it's 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 like one of the better weapons you can imagine a guy having, uh, and I know that he struggled to control it and all of his pitches sort of recently. But um, I don't know, just just kind of funny that 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 that's the guy that they chose to uh, to, to DFA when they're you know it's not like this is a stacked you know bullpen roster or anything like that. You know. Yeah, I mean, he was a talked about this uh, a little bit on Twitter beforehand, kind of like a borderline guy coming into the season. The velo was down. Saw him pitch really well, you know, beginning of the season. It was him and Rich Rod. It was a, a good, you know, one-two punch. Both guys were, you know, pretty much on it. And I, I have jokingly said, and I knew it wasn't going to happen, but it's like, okay, trade this, trade him now before his value goes down. I just didn't see it going down this far. But I do want to get to uh, a little bit, a little bit of draft talk. But I, I, we can even move a little bit towards. We're talking about like questionable decisions, and, and I wouldn't say this is like a questionable decision. I mean, Kyle Crick, he had his shots. He had you know the time to do stuff, and I, I would think that somebody would you know take a shot on him just because, like you said, you know one one of the best pitches in the system, if not the best pitch for the Pirates uh, of anyone. But over the weekend, uh, Rodolfo Castro, it basically was just kind of one of those things that Pirates fans jumped on. Part of it was because every single time the guy hit the ball in the major leagues, it was a home run. Uh, But a lot of the stuff that people were, you know, kind of maybe disagreeing with uh, was the move to double A as opposed to the move to AAA, Mike, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this a little bit because everybody, you know, at this point really knows mine. Yeah, I mean, I just, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I, I, I'm kind of with you. I assume I'm with you in that, like, he's kind of proven what he needs to prove at AA. You know, it, it, even if he had never made it up to the majors and just kept playing at AA and playing how he's been playing all season, which is really good, uh, then you would have expected him to get bumped up to AAA anyways. It's not even just because he came up to the majors and was, um, you know, capable at least of hitting home runs. Like, it's it's that he's been good in AA all year, and you wonder what more he has to prove. Um, I'm just curious what, what like, when they're going to start moving guys up to AAA anyways, you know? Like, pretty much the only guy we've seen this year is Kranich. Uh And, he, like, it's not like the AAA roster is, is stacked with, you know, a bunch of talent and you can't afford to like give up some development time, you know, cause like their infield, you know, Rodolfo Castro would, would probably fit into to their infield somewhere, obviously. And their infield is like Cole Tucker, uh, TJ Rivera and, uh, and like Hunter Owen. And like, 
those guys are fine, right? It's, it's, it's Hunter Owens, the other one. It doesn't matter. But either way, like, it's not like it's stacked with uh, top-ranked prospects there in Indianapolis anyway. So, like, I don't really see the harm in bringing a guy who has proven all he has to prove in double-A and has even proven a little something in the majors. Uh, what the harm is in bringing him up to triple-A and giving him a shot over some of the other guys that are currently yeah, and, and that kind of leads me into, you know, what is eventually done with, like, like a Cole Tucker, a, you know, T.J. Rivera. They have just a, a stack of just, I wouldn't say guys, because, I mean, some of these guys, I mean, we, we haven't really seen much from, but the other ones are, I, I mean, they're journeymen uh, players. That That's kind of what they are. And one of the other guys we, we had talked about, and I talked about with Gary on, on his show, the uh, DK uh, Fan Forum, uh, it was Fabricio Macias from Greensboro gets promoted the whole way to Indianapolis and thought it might have just been a move as a filler or something. I was trying to think of what it would be. And it's like, no, he's, he's sticking in the outfield. But a guy like Rodolfo Castro, uh, which we are on the same wave like Mike, is goes back down, goes three for four, has just been hitting the cover off the ball, uh, got a little bit of a cup of coffee at the beginning of the season and seems to be somebody that the team likes. So the move from, you know, I don't know if there's just going to be a slew of moves like coming all at once uh, because you have, you know, Kanan Smith and Jigba, you have Cal Mitchell, you have Mason Martin, you have, you know, Ono Cruz hopefully when he gets back, uh, Ronzi Contreras whenever he gets back. You have a, a slew of guys uh, down in double A that are kind of pushing towards that. So, I mean, there's going to have to be some tough decisions made here uh, by Ben Sherrington with guys, like I said, like a, like a, like a Cole Tucker, uh, a, a TJ Rivera, who's kind of brought in. And I mean, maybe a guy on a major league roster at some point in time in, in Kevin Newman, what you're going to do with him. back to, to a little bit of draft talk here just because people are, are pumped excited about the draft I haven't got to talk to you about it since it happened uh, but my question is going to be a, a little bit different than some people's because I mean everybody's excited about who Ben Sherrington drafted one through four uh, hopeful that they can sign you know Braylon Bishop the 14th round get him not to go to Arkansas uh, but was there any other player or name uh, that kind of stuck out to you as maybe like a little bit of an under the radar guy that you were like, oh man, that that was like a pretty solid pickup. Is there anybody that you can think of right now that that sticks out to you? Uh, two guys I'll give you, and, and you said one through four, and, and I'll just go right after them at five. <laughs> but uh, Owen Kellington is really interesting to me. Um, he's a, a Vermont high school guy. Uh, there aren't many Vermont high school guys that come out, uh, you know, this this highly drafted and. Um, you know, sort of a remote area in terms of high school high school talent. Um, but he was a guy that they obviously had to scout pretty heavily. That's Charrington's neck of the woods. Um, you know, they, uh, word is that he sort of popped off at the um, at the combine, which was new this season, and that, and that you know he had a good showing there and impressed some people. So I'm sure that helped in terms of wondering about his competition level. 
Um, but he's an interesting guy. Uh, you know, whenever we were asking uh, Joe Delacari, their director of amateur scouting, or, or Ben Charrington after the draft or whoever, um, about, you know, the high schoolers that they, you know, you kind of mean Anthony Solomito and Lonnie White and Bubba Chandler, but they always lumped in Owen Kellington too. Um, and so I think, I think he's a guy that they really like. Uh, you know, maybe a guy who still has a lot to prove given what he was competing against in Vermont. Um, and, you know, I'll be interested to see kind of how he performs sort of right aside, right alongside, you know, the, the guys I mentioned earlier, Solomito and Chandler and, and all the other guys. And then the, the other guy I'll name is, is, is uh, Sean Sullivan. The, um, Sean Sullivan, the, the high school – I'm sorry, the, the, uh, the college right-hander from, from uh, Cal – he uh, he was a guy who was actually quite highly ranked, and, and they sort of went down to get, um, still able to get him under slot. So um, you know that was beneficial. But but a guy who sort of impressed um, and was rated like you know in the top two fifty prospects, anyways. Um, so he has a little bit of pedigree, and they were able to get him you know a little bit later. And I think it was the eighth round. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, you know he's another interesting one. Uh, he seems like more of a polished type of guy, where like. Um, People are impressed with his control. Uh, you know, he doesn't have one pitch that's going to blow you away, but has four solid pitches. I think he had like four or five, like fifty great pitches already coming out of college. So, um, you know, that sort of uh, tells me that he is like maybe an advanced feel for pitching for for you know most guys coming out of uh, most guys coming out of college. So I'll be interested to see how he performs too. Yeah, he's one of the guys that I definitely had written down. I, I looked into some of his stats uh, pitching in the Cape Cod League, which seems to be uh, a little bit of an emphasis uh, for Ben Charrington and his, his scouting crew to a degree. Um, another guy that just I want to throw out there to people is uh, Drew Irvine, uh, pitcher from Iowa. Didn't really get uh, a lot of miles on the arm. Uh, last year had pitched in in one of the Woodbat leagues, uh, the sister to like the Cape Cod league across the United States. So he had some experience there. Uh, and like you said, I, those are just like two polished, like college arms. And it's just like, yeah, those are some pretty solid, you know, polished arms. You could even throw Jack Harry from Duke into there. So it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like they, you know, I mean, they did go young on a lot of stuff. They did go high school on a lot of stuff, but it seems like at least with the pitching, when they went college, they went, you know, for those polished arms, which is, you know, not a, not a bad way to go. But I want to turn my, uh, turn my focus to a, what we thought looked like a, a very polished arm uh, at the beginning of the season um, and has struggled as of late. I want to talk about JT Brubaker and everybody that listens to this show knows that I absolutely love JT Brubaker, but over his last three starts, he's got a, he's got like a 920 ERA He's given up like six home runs in those three starts. Uh, just hasn't seemed to be uh, hitting his marks the way he was before. Maybe you know, maybe getting figured out a little bit. I'm I'm not completely sure. Uh, Mike, what are you seeing from G- JT Brubaker? And I I see some people mentioning the bullpen already. So I just I kind of want to get your your impression on JT and and maybe what he's saying uh, about getting back on track. Yeah, I mean, my impression is just that he's got to figure out the home runs. He's giving up a ton of home runs. He, he, last time I looked, he was like top 10 in the league or something in just total home runs allowed um, this season. So, like, you know, he, he's, he's talked about it before. He's just kind of making mistakes um, at the wrong time, and he's getting hit, you know, hurt by it. Um, 
you know, pitchers love to love to say that, like, yeah, well, you know, it's baseball. Like, that's it's bad luck. I thought I made, you know, 87 good pitches today, and the three that were bad, they hit out of the park. And so it's like, well, all right. But if that keeps happening, you you got you to gotta figure something out. So I don't know if it's sort of a focused thing, making sure he's, you know, repeating his mechanics, pitch in, pitch out, or, or exactly what it is. But... Um, but he's gotten tagged for, for deep balls, and they've heard him this year. Uh, happened again this last outing to uh, a Blankenhorn. I think it was Travis Blankenhorn, my favorite <laughs> name in the majors now. Um, but so, so yeah, but I don't think, you know, the bullpen or whatever, I don't know. It, now is not the time to make that decision anyways. Um, so, like, I, I'm not really entertaining that thought at this moment. Uh, I think he, he's a guy who just, you know, he's still pitching all right. It's not like this last start was rough, but, um, but you know, he's he's been going deeper in games. It's not like he's getting shelled in the first inning and, and, and unable to, you know, keep going. He's been fine for them. He's been, you know, arguably their best starting pitcher this season. So uh, he's a guy that you, you let him ride it out. You let him try to figure it out. You work with him. You try to get the home runs figured out. Um, but you're not making any drastic decisions with him right now. Yeah, because I was going to say, there's there's not been too much difference other than the home runs, a stat that, that Chris and I like to use pretty much on the regular. And it's it's more, you know, used in our fantasy baseball league. But it, at times, like, it, it shows walks and hits per innings pitched. Uh, Brubaker has still stuck around, like, 1.2. Uh, so, and his ERA, you know, hasn't inflated up over five yet, which, you know, if he's given up that many home runs and different things, you could expect that to happen. And... I a guy just you know looking for experience. I uh, and and came in kind of like a maybe not from a biggest school, and that's where I kind of think of when I think of Sullivan. I think of Irvine. You know, I think of the other guys, uh, Jack Carey that we mentioned. You know, he came from came from Akron, didn't pitch so well, and the Pirates still may have found something, and and hopefully he can de- he can definitely work it out. But one area where. The Pirates may have found something, and I, I, you knew I was probably going to talk about this. We got to talk about the Big Nagowski. We got to talk about the effect that he's having on this team, and also a, a decision that needs to be made when Colin Moran comes back. I, I mean, I, I don't want to. I say it. I said it half jokingly to Chris last episode, but the guy just keeps on hitting. And he only plays first base. He has I just I I looked this up earlier, so I wanted to give this to you before I. He has a total of a hundred and sixty-one innings in any position other than first base in his entire minor league, college, anything career. So what what's gonna what's gonna happen here? We don't know when Colin Moran's going to come back, so it's a good problem to have right now. And even when he does come back, it could be a good problem to have. But but what do, what do you do with Colin Moran if Nagowski's still hitting? Uh, I I know that you set this up to be like, yeah, you know, it's unlikely, whatever. Uh, but I would bet my life that John Nagowski plays some outfield for the Pirates the rest of the season. Um Colin Moran, because, because at least he can, at least he's done it in some capacity before. He's played outfield for the Pirates this season uh, for just one inning, but he did it. Uh, <laughs> Colin Moran cannot play anywhere else. You can maybe throw him at third base if, if that, but he, you don't want Colin Moran in the outfield. Um, 
So, so like, I, to me, that's how it's going to break down. But it is just kind of fascinating, like, what John Nagowski has done with his opportunity. Um, I, I think I agree with you that it's a good problem to have if both guys are hitting, but I don't really have any expectation that John Nagowski is going to take first base from Colin Moran or anything like that. Like, you know, you can platoon him if you'd like or something like that, but um, but I would, be, I would bet that we see Nagowski in the outfield at least a few times before the season ends. Yeah, because as you say, Colin Moran has has pretty much just about as much outfield experience as Nagowski, and and I, I think <laughs> Nagowski may maybe at least uh, just a little bit hungrier right now. I don't know. Colin Moran's a pre- he's, he's a pretty uh, he's a pretty big workhorse himself as well. But yeah, like Nagowski maybe throw him out in right field, maybe in left field every once in a while, and 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 hopefully everybody else can kind of make up for it. Uh, yeah. But basically like it's it's coming down to a point here uh where you know Charrington's going to have some tough decisions to make and and ones that I've seen you know kind of brought up is uh with with Defoe playing well and and being very versatile another guy in Ben Gamble who has pretty much been I mean the player he was prior to the first half of the season uh and maybe just a little bit better as he's been in his entire career uh, but what roles do you maybe see for Ben Gamble who and uh, and Wilmer Defoe, who both have a year of arbitration next year? Uh, could this be like guys that are that are rolled over into next year instead of going out and getting free agents? Or you know what would what would you think they would do with these guys? To me, I look at it as like comparison to guys that are currently on the roster. So like. Would you rather have Wilmer Defoe or Phil Evans right now? Like to me, I'd rather have Wilmer Defoe. They're pretty much the same role. Um, I know both can be on the roster, but um, if you're trying to improve this this roster in the offseason with a free agent signing or whatever, I'd keep Defoe. I'd find an upgrade for Evans. Maybe that's Eric Gonzalez, even like whatever. But uh, Defoe's played better than both of them, so I, I think that he's a guy who, who could play or who could stay. Same kind of thing with Ben Gamble. Like you know, who's going to usurp him on the current roster and make your team better? I don't know. I don't really see anybody there. So, so, so you know, I could, I could definitely see that being guys that stick around, um, you know, rather than maybe going out and getting guys. Now, I think there will probably be better options on the open market. Like, I don't think they're the best possible players for the Pirates, but, um, you know, it's worth giving them a look as long as they're producing. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms. Right now at creakybone.com. Okay, Mike, leading up to the trade deadline here is where we're going to go with this. Uh, going to make it a little bit fun. Uh, you've always been, you know, very open to uh, some of our little quirky things and, and our, give honest answers uh, to anything that we ask you. So I'm going to give you uh, some guys here 
going to play a little game, and it's it's not really a game, but I kind of came up with it today. It's called Lock to be Traded, Likely to be Traded, Little Chance to be Traded. I'm uh, going to like name some guys here for you, uh, maybe about five or six guys, let you expound on it a little bit, uh, and I'm just going to kind of start firing, firing them at you. You good to go, brother? I'm ready. All right. The first one is Tyler Anderson. Feels like feels likely. I'll go likely. I, I, I first of all, I apologize for the background noise here from the street next to my apartment. But anyways, uh, he's a guy that just like sort of profiles as something that other teams would want, right? Like he's a crafty veteran left-hander. Uh, you know, he's not going to blow anybody away or whatever. But you kind of know what he is. Is he's he's, he's, he's Performed well the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, maybe that's his ceiling. He's had a couple of really good starts. But, you know, if, if a team wanted him out of the bullpen too, maybe that makes sense. Like, you know, he's a guy that can kind of fit whatever role you need him to fit. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you have confidence that this guy knows how to get major league hitters out. He's done that for the last few years. Um, and, and, and so, you know, you go for him. Like, I, I don't know. He, he, I know that he's not the – you know, the, the the guy on the team that's going to fetch the largest return or, like, teams are just drooling over his production or whatever. Um, but, you you know, there's there's some value in a guy who you can safely say you have a good idea of what he's going to be. Um, and to me, that sort of spells out what Tyler Anderson is right now. I don't know. Yeah, it's, he's a tough one. He's a, he's a guy, everybody always says the lefty will get a return. Uh, like you're saying, I mean, it's, it's likely, it's – you would want him to be moved because uh, if not, I mean, unless you're looking to re-sign him for probably maybe a little bit more money uh, than, than he fetched this offseason, uh, people are probably looking uh, like they want him to be moved. Uh, the next name for you on here is Richard Rodriguez. Yeah, another one where I'm going to go likely. Uh, you can never have too many good bullpen arms. I am personally not concerned about – um, you know, the struggles that he's had, uh, relative struggles that he's had uh, over the past couple of, you know, outings or whatever. Um, you know, to me, he still he still has, like, similar stats to what he's had all year, or all, you know, his whole career, I should say. Um, so, like, I, I'm not too concerned about that. Again, a guy that you kind of know what you're getting um, – when you trade for him, and, and so you know, uh, any team, every team could use bullpen arms, um, a couple extra, and, and he's a guy that has proven that he can have success in late innings. Uh, if you need that, if if you need a closer, you can do that. If you need just a high leverage guy somewhere, you you can do that. Um, and you know, he's also thirty one, so I would imagine that he's a guy that that the Pirates are uh, probably pretty keen to trade away. Uh, given you know, given his age and 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 what he is in regard or in relation to what the rebuild is at right now, I'm going to stick in the bullpen here for the next two here. I'm going to fire a couple at you here pretty quick. Chris Stratton is a guy we've heard mentioned. What's your thoughts on Stratton? Dude, I think I, I don't mean to be redundant, uh, but to me, he'd be like the lock on the team. He's been so good for them and just filling whatever role. Like Sunday, you know, I know the game didn't turn out the way that they wanted to. But he, he goes uh, Sunday and pitches two and a third innings in, in a real pinch when they needed a long guy. Dwayne Underwood Jr. has been super unreliable this year um, at times as, as sort of the long man. Uh, and so Chris Stratton has just filled into that role. And, you know, instead, like, he can do that. He can pitch in high leverage, 
you know, situations if need be. Uh, I was looking at Chris Stratton actually earlier today. Uh, the Pirates are 17 and 21 in games that Chris Stratton pitches in. Isn't that kind of crazy? I mean, it doesn't really matter. Like, I guess maybe he just pitches with the lead more frequently than he pitches when they're losing. But like, uh, it's and, and you know, there's obviously other circumstances that would lead to that number. But he's a good pitcher. Like, he's just been good for them. He doesn't get beat up very frequently. He hasn't really been beat up since like I don't know a couple of months now. Um, so yeah, to me, he would be the guy that that other teams would 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 love to have because he wouldn't be too expensive and, and he's super reliable. Okay, I'm going to stick there, and I'm going to go with a, a guy, uh, Chasen Shreve, a guy that we got for next to nothing. Yeah, to me, I think that that kind of would lead to, that and his age, sort of similar to Rich Rod, would lead to it being likely. Like, I don't think they would want a ton for Chasen Shreve. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's not exactly like a lefty specialist because he's been good against righties, too. Um but, but, yeah, to me, it's sort of another crafty veteran left-hander that a team could pick up um, and, and you know, be perfectly happy with whatever they're giving away. He, he seems like a likely one. Yeah, and, and he's a guy, I mean, I, I hate to – I'm not, like, trying to belittle his value or anything, but there's there's probably a decent amount of guys on the team that would be uh, useful uh, to, to competitive teams but may have gone in previous years for that, you know – international bonus pool space uh as opposed to you know someone you know giving up a prospect and and i when i think of shreve i i kind of feel like him fitting into kind of that mold uh and like i said it was it's nothing against him but it, he would probably be one of a, a few guys that would fit into there but i'm gonna give you a tough one for this next one jacob stallings i think i think it's pretty unlikely what, what was the third what was the, it, it's lock likely what's the third one a uh, little chance Little chance. Give me a little chance with Jacob Stallings. Uh, I, maybe this is just, like, selfish, but, like, dude, if they trade Jacob Stallings, like, it, it is going to be really tough to watch whoever they trot out at catcher the rest of the season anyways. And that's not necessarily a reason to not trade him. But it does sort of underscore that, like, I don't know what they do at catcher for next year if Jacob Stallings isn't there. Uh, you'd have to go out and sign somebody because you just can't run Michael Perez through an entire season as a starting catcher. Uh, at least in my opinion, he, he just hasn't been good enough where, like, that's even a reasonable thing to do. Um, so so I think it's – I think it's uh, – he, he's a guy that I, I don't really expect to go. They, they need him to sort of help uh, help with the pitching staff. Like, he does so much on that end. He's so good defensively still. Whatever he gives you at the bat is just sort of icing on the cake. Obviously, he's been super clutch this season for them. Uh, and there's no one really right there behind him. So, so to me, he's a guy that you'd want to keep around at least for next year, um, just to just to help your whole organization move forward. Yeah, and and I think that I mean, not only do I not want to see Stallings go just because of of what he brings, but you you mentioned the other piece is that you know you actually have to kind of trade from a position of strength. You have to, you know, this is would be Jacob Stallings, one of his higher values. I mean, he's never going to be a guy that hits for, like, huge average. Not a ton of power, even though, you know, you do see the granny walk-off. But just what he provides defensively. But a position of strength, I mean, if like you said, if you trade him, there's, there's really a barren wasteland. So here's the last one for you, and this is, you know, the guy that has been on, you know, the tips of everybody's tongues for – 
I mean, at least this entire season and previous seasons, um, and that's going to be Adam Frazier. I'm going likely. I I am resolute uh, in in the idea that I will. I'm I'm done calling Adam Frazier trades a lot. I've learned my lesson for the last two seasons. I I, I I won't do it anymore until he's gone. Until he's traded away, uh, I, I'm not ever going to be like, oh yeah, that's for sure happening. Um, this this year, obviously, he's he's been so good. Uh, but you know, it's it, there are only like two or three teams that you could point to that definitely need like a second baseman slash outfielder, you know, a, a utility guy maybe or whatever. Uh, like, I, I don't know how many teams could definitely, like, use him, especially for the price he's going to fetch. Like, this dude's an all-star. Like, the Pirates aren't going to just trade this guy away for a couple of, like, you know, 35 future value prospects or whatever and call it a day. Like, they're going to want a haul for this dude. And I don't know how many teams out there are really willing to, like, give them what they're looking for. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting – I don't know. Like the last couple of years, it's been like, oh yeah, Adam Frazier will probably be traded, and he hasn't been. Uh, I think this year it's a different conversation where maybe he's been so good that the price isn't worth worth it to other teams. Um, so so we'll see. Like I, I, I I'm but I'm just standing firm in the idea that I will not call Adam Frazier a lock to be traded until he's gone because I've been burnt by it before. Oh yeah, it's 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 one where. I think it was not this past uh, winter meeting, but the, the the one before that, he was you know called the bell of the ball by some people, uh, just because of you know the defensive value he brought. He was you know at that point in time around an average you know hitter, uh, so it's it's just kind of kind of crazy the way his 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 value has gone from like being yeah he's a pretty good player to yeah this dude's an all star and. He just hits, so it's just kind of crazy. So, uh, and I'm going to give you a chance here. Is there is there anybody else that you could think of on the Pirates roster right now that may be in consideration uh, and has maybe some potential trade value? I was thinking about this today, and and it might be kind of crazy. And we mentioned him earlier, but like, what if some team wanted Wilmer Defoe or like Ben Gamble? Like, have they been good enough? Do you think to? Or like another team being like, well, we could use an outfielder who does exactly what Ben Gamble does, or we could use a guy who literally plays every position like Wilmer Defoe does and is now hitting like 285 or whatever he's hitting. Uh, like, you know, why not Why not us going and getting that guy and, and just trading for him rather than trying to make someone else into that guy? And I don't, I don't know. I, I This is only like preliminary thoughts, but I had him today of just like, have, have those guys been good enough to, like, maybe consider as, like, trade value? I don't know. I don't really know how I feel even about it. But uh, it's, to me, it's, like, at least an interesting thought experiment. Yeah, and uh, here's the thing is, and, and everybody, like, has seen, like, the trades that the Pirates have done recently where it's been, like, you know, one player for, you know, some prospects. And uh, there was some trades during, you know, last year's trade deadline that were, you know, multiple major league players from, you know, one team to another team for maybe another, you know, major league player and then some prospects. So we, we don't know how that's going to work out. We kind of, you know, always exist in that bubble because it's a lot easier of just, okay, we're going to trade this one guy and this is who we're going to get back. But you never know if somebody's like, you know, we want Rich Rod, but if you could throw in Defoe, who <laughs> might sweeten the pot a little bit, which at the beginning of the season, if you told me, hey, we're going to throw in Wilmer Defoe to sweeten the pot, I would have told you you were crazy. But 
that's that's what happens in seasons like this. But Mike, I want to thank you so much again for coming back on here. For anybody that doesn't, you have to go out there. Uh, follow Mike on Twitter. He's a great, great Twitter follow, not only for baseball stuff, but just uh, for funny stuff during the games. Uh, the the protector of the jukebox uh, for the Pirates uh, and whatever it may be. It's, it's a really good follow. Also, read all of his stuff in the PG. He did a, a mailbag that just came out. Uh, d- did some like game stories. So, uh, Mike, thanks, com- thanks for coming on again, brother. And I uh, can't wait to do this again. Appreciate it, Craig. Thanks for having me.